Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 071. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, difficulties come in life. Unfortunately, that's sometimes just the way it is. While the Bible says that facing trials is often a way that we grow in our character, it's usually not our first choice for self-development. How we focus, however, and where we focus can help us get through. Check it out. You ever had a task in front of you that you just thought was going to be too difficult, too hard? Like, you look at it and it's like, this is just too much. There's too much to overcome. You ever had a challenge where you thought, there's got to be an easier way to do this? Now, sometimes that is very true. And there is a more efficient or an easier way to accomplish something. If you are chopping down a tree, for instance... It's generally a little bit easier to use an axe than to use your bare hands. Unless you're Larry Stryker. Then it's probably about 50-50. You just tear that thing down. (laughs) Sometimes, challenges push us. And there's no way to get past them except to go right through them. And this can happen whether we are talking about our faith life, whether we are talking about work out in the secular world, whether you're a Christian or an atheist, some scenarios just bring this on. The good news is there is a way through. And the good news is we have an incredible model to follow when it comes to just blasting right through whatever obstacle, whatever wall stands in our way. Let's pray together. God, today, as maybe walls stand around us, as, as barriers or obstacles stand in front of us. Help us to learn from your word, to be transformed by it. Amen. Well, this passage may sound familiar, but we're going to approach it from a different angle today. As we look at the first two verses of Hebrews 12, that say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with perseverance the race that is set out for us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and has taken the seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As I say, it may sound familiar, Not just because you may have read it before, but because we talked about this very passage, these very two verses, two weeks ago. But like so much in the book of Hebrews, there is a lot that we can unpack. And two weeks ago, we were talking about the great cloud of witnesses that surround us out of verse 1. And there is definitely something to consider when it comes to looking at those that have gone before us, those who walk with us, those who are coming up after us that are paying attention to what we're doing and and remembering those and being encouraged by them. But they are all in there for a bigger purpose. It's not just enjoy the great cloud of witnesses, but the writer of Hebrews says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses around us, let us throw off all the sin and everything that wears us down or, or holds us back and run the race with perseverance. That can be kind of a scary word, perseverance. 
Because in many different passages, it's also used synonymously with endurance. Not exactly something that speaks, this is going to be easy. But usually is a word that is associated with challenge. With something that's going to take some digging deep. Going to take some grit. To use another more urban slang term. Given the choice, would anybody take a 100-yard dash over completing a marathon? If you would, if that would be your choice, I would understand that. A 100-yard dash is a whole lot easier than a marathon. Unfortunately, there isn't very much that is work for 20 seconds and you're done. And then you get the reward, whatever it is. Our Christian life isn't like that. And if that is a turnoff to Christianity, the fact is not much about life is work hard for 20 seconds and then you're done. Or 10 if you happen to be an Olympic runner. Life works more like a marathon. Requires that perseverance, that endurance, that grit. Think about what Paul says in Romans 5. We also boast in our easy lives knowing that they produce endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. If any of you are starting to wonder, there's a reason I didn't put the reference up there, because that is not what Paul says in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. Would anybody appreciate having hope in your life? A couple people at least. It's one of those themes that has run very deep for me, why I keep bringing it up. Would anybody be able to appreciate character in themselves? Or, let's make it easy, seeing character in your kids or your grandkids. Unfortunately, those are not characteristics that are developed by the easy life, but by, as Paul really says in Romans 5, 3, let me say it more properly, we also boast in our suffering, knowing that it produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Again, not an idea that sounds like easy. Maybe not even an idea that sounds like fun. But think about it. When is the time that you need the most hope? When something is going wrong. When you're suffering. When is the time that your character shines its truest? Not when things are going well. You can fake it then. But when things are rough when you don't know how you're going to make it through the day, that's when your character comes out. That's when your character gets developed. Your hope starts to emerge. You know, if if everything went well, if it were always the easy life, you'd never have any examples of hope. You'd never appreciate what the mountaintop looks like unless you've been in the valley. These are the things that develop as well. Endurance. Grit. That idea to keep moving forward even when it seems like everything around you is uphill. Like there's nothing but walls around you. How do we develop this in a practical way? Well, it starts with perspective. And there's probably been a ton more that I haven't even read on this idea or experience about this idea. So this is going to be one angle of it. But think about your perspective. A pastor from Arizona said this. He said, perspective is the fuel that unleashes perseverance that opens that Pandora's box of grit in you. Think about perspective like what it is that we focus on, what it is that our eyes are fixated on. 
that word that will come up later on, having our eyes fixed on, I won't give away the farm. We can choose to focus on the barrier that is in front of us, thinking it's too big. I can't handle it. I might as well just give up. None of which does us any good. We can focus on all the reasons that we can't make it over the wall, make it past the barrier, blast through the challenge. Hear that we can offer all the excuses. Again, nothing useful there. Or we can do what the writer of Hebrews tells us to do, to focus on Jesus. Now, I know that probably comes across as the biggest Sunday school answer. Like, I know it looks like a squirrel, but I'm in church, so the answer must be Jesus. It may even go to the point of sounding trite to say, here's how you deal with overwhelming struggles and suffering. Focus on Jesus. But hang with me for a little bit. Because when we focus on Jesus, there is something that changes. When our eyes, as the NIV puts it, are fixed on, are locked in, not looking to the left, not looking to the right, but zeroed in on Jesus, something changes. And I'll give you two things that change. First off, trouble will not surprise you. Have you ever had a time where something goes wrong and it catches you by surprise? And it takes a while just to even get your bearings back. Almost like you just got the rug pulled out from under you and, and you're just trying to find your balance of how you're going to deal with it. You can't even get to the point of trying to solve the problem or get through it because you're asking, how is it that this happened? Why did this go wrong? I happened this week to blow a flat tire on 31. Now I could look at it and think, this human contraption of rubber and air how could it ever not go perfectly? How can a toddler have this crazy ability to overflow a diaper? How is this possible? I still, eight years later, still sometimes ask that very question. Many of you have probably done the same thing. When we focus on Jesus, and we think about even some of the things that he went through, and we know, hey, trouble is perhaps just a part of life, something we have to face, something we have to blast through, it doesn't catch us so off guard. When you know there is literally anything that can end up in a diaper, there aren't many diapers that surprise you. Jesus even gives us a fair warning about this. When he says in John 16, he says, I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage, I have conquered the world. In another passage, he says, you know what, the world hated me, so you know what, they're pretty much going to hate you too. He just lays it out. He's at least honest about it. Peter does the same kind of thing. Another guy who is just plain honest, and you got to love it about him. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I'm facing a rough day? That's not strange. That's not bizarre. When you know that's sort of the way it works, when you have these warnings that, hey, you know what, hard times can come. It's not just all about easy life. Then the challenges that we face, the walls around us, they lose some of their <laughs> monstrosity. Have you ever seen those, those cartoons where you have, let's say, Tom and Jerry, and they're kind of around the corner from each other, 
in a dark room, and you see Jerry, this little mouse, but there's a light that's shining his shadow on the wall. And he looks like this big monster mouse. Sometimes that's what it looks like, what a problem can look like when we are caught off guard by it, when we're surprised by it. But when we know it can happen, maybe even when we get ready for it, we see it as Jerry, this little mouse, as he comes around the corner and comes into the light. I'll give you an example, a very physical example, but an example nonetheless. When I ran my first Spartan, I almost didn't make it through. There was a, a point I literally thought they were going to pull me off the course because I just I couldn't see straight. I was just on the verge of, felt like I was on the verge of breaking. When I ran my second one, the strange thing is, not that I trained any harder for it, but the conditions were worse. It was, it was 30 degrees instead of 80. The race was longer. And in the second one, I was alone. I didn't have a good friend running alongside me. And yet I did better in that second one. And I honestly think the reason is I knew I had some reality check about how difficult it was going to be. Where the first time I was just caught off guard. I did not know it was going to be this hard. I think that made all the difference. I knew I was prepared, I was realistic about it, and I was able to blast right through. Over these next four months that are on the horizon for all of us as a community, are there going to be times when there's questions? Probably. Are there times when people within this church, whether elder, deacon, member, whatever, are going to ask, what should we do? Probably. But... Hopefully this reminds you, and hopefully me saying this to you, that you will make it through, will give you what it takes to press through, to be able to blast that wall down and continue being effective at the mission that God has given to this community. That's not all that happens, all that changes when, when we focus on Jesus. But also, our own selfishness starts to disturb us. And I say this more knowing you guys and knowing the selflessness that so many of you have and demonstrate. I say this more as a, think of it as a warning sign rather than a beatdown. Okay. But for a moment, imagine the ultimate caricature of a crybaby. Like the antithesis of a person with grit and perseverance. Wah, wah, why is everything wrong with me? Look at me, pay attention to me, feel sorry for me. It's like the most selfish way of being. Self-centered, everything is about me, right? Which is perfectly developmentally acceptable if you're a one-year-old. If you're a 51-year-old, maybe not so much, all right? When we are developing this perseverance, this character, this hope that Paul writes about in Romans 5, this grit, having the crybaby personality starts to not feel right, starts to disturb us a little bit. If we are a part of a mission that is bigger than ourselves, the idea of that is that we're looking at other people, focusing on helping them, doing something good for them, being something other than my own little world, population me. But if the writer of Hebrews says we can do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, then let's take a look at how his selflessness plays out. When the writer says in verse 2, he says, looking to Jesus, 
who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now think about it for just a second on that section of the verse. And I edited some of it out to make it stand out. For the sake of the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? Is it heaven? Is it salvation? Is it a relationship with our Father? No. Jesus had all those things. In Philippians 2, he writes that, Paul writes that Jesus left all those things to come walk the dirt of the earth with us. The joy that was set before him was the chance at a relationship with you. That was important enough for him. Thinking about you, that he endured the cross, that he shunned the shame of such a a way of dying. That's about as selfless as a person can be. To leave all those things, endure that for us. So that in turn, as Rachel and, and Andrew had said earlier, we can get to experience all of those things because of it. Now my prayer, and I'm guessing the prayer, if you honestly thought about it, of everyone in this room, is that none of us ever have to display grit to that level or in that manner. But we are called to fix our eyes on the one who did. The one who is the author of our faith. The one who is the perfecter of our faith. The one who is the forgiver of our sins. The one who lets us experience a relationship with the one who offers perfect love. Better than any human can do it. If only, as Rachel had said, if only we ask for those forgiveness for those times when we have fallen short. So how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? What's a, a, way, a practical way of doing it as best I can put it? Here's a way. And maybe it's not the only way, but here's a way. This season, and unfortunately I can't give you a next steps for an, another four months, so I'm going to kind of give you one that covers the season here. Spend some time in the Gospels. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the biography, if you will, of Jesus when he walked this dirt with us. And look for those intersections when he is dealing with other people of all kinds. I think it was in Lent that we covered a series of where we were doing one-on-ones of Jesus interacting with one other person. And try to drop yourself into that story as the one Jesus is talking to. In some cases, this is more fun than others because, to be honest, we have to drop ourselves into the times when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees just as much as when he's talking to the outcast. But imagine Jesus saying those words to you. Imagine Jesus saying, have faith, the girl is only asleep. Imagine Jesus saying to you, pick up your mat and walk. Imagine Jesus saying to you, your sins are forgiven. Now this may sound a bit like I'm countering what I said about, you know, don't be selfish, so tag this along with this idea. And look at what does that do for your relationships with other people. If Jesus tells me my sins are forgiven, hopefully that makes it easier for me to forgive somebody else. How does hearing Jesus say those words to me affect my relationships with other people? How does it affect my perseverance? How does it affect my grit? My prayer is that Jesus' words throughout those Gospels transforms your life in the way only Jesus Christ can. 
Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.